Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. All right, bang, bang, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And thanks again for tuning into the Goalie Hacks audio experience with your host, as always, Mike Santa Guida, to join you goaltenders again for another week here to progress, uh, you know, your goaltending development forward. And I hope everyone has additionally gone off to a great start this season as, as we, uh, you know, get into the winter months here. Uh, and I know it's been a while since I dropped some personal value on the show other than the you know, the, the bi-weekly conversations we typically drop, and that's coming up in the next release in a couple weeks. Uh, but additionally, I know Christmas is coming up. Uh, by the time we release our next piece, Christmas will have come and gone. So just want to take this opportunity, you know, this week first and, and foremost to wish everyone a, a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Uh, Christmas season is my favorite time of year, and uh, not just because my nickname is Santa, uh, but because it's uh, just an amazing vibe, you know, really to, to spend with family, uh, to see the joy that goes around from giving presents and exchanging gifts and uh, spending time with your loved ones and having great food, seeing the snow come down, enjoying the cozy, warm weather uh, inside on a cold day. Uh, I, I love the cold. I also love the summer. Obviously, everybody loves the summer, but I do love the winter months. There's something special about it, obviously, that comes with uh, the territory when you play hockey, and I think that's why I love it so much. But uh, also just look back and, and be grateful for all the opportunities that have come my way in the past 12 months, really every year. Uh, you know, this, this time of year, obviously, it's in the middle of sort of the season, but it's also a time to reflect uh, where we've come uh, throughout the year. And I just want to once again express, you know, how grateful I am to the thousands of goalies and parents and coaches around the world that tune into our program every other week, you know, that are committed to moving their development in the right direction. And there are obviously tons of amazing goaltending resources out there that we are certainly not the only one in it. And we definitely recognize that. Uh, I, I really think that everyone brings something different to the table. And, uh, you know, big shout out to everyone else in the goaltending community who tries to give back every day, no matter what the size or direction of your contribution is um you know but i'm grateful uh, personally very humbled you know from uh very small beginnings become a, a very long way in, in in almost two years now can you believe that episode 85 um that that so many individuals from the global goaltending community trust goalie hacks and and myself you know with helping progress your game and your career forward it really means the world and does not go unnoticed. And my team and I do our best to, to pay that back to you goalies to hopefully achieve uh, just a glimpse of what hockey, uh, you know, has provided me in my life so far. You know, that was always the goal from the beginning. If we can help even just one person move their career forward, uh, you know, I'd be happy. And we've come a very long way and uh, very proud of everybody and, and where we've come as, as a community all together. Obviously, uh, you know, this isn't just me. I just sit on the mic and, you know, put the, you know, put the content out there for you guys. And you got to go out there and fight your own wars and fight your own battles and overcome your own challenges. And uh, just seeing all the DMs that constantly come in, um, you know, from the people, uh, just the, the teams they've made going from minor hockey, you know, to A to AA, AA to AAA, AAA to prep. Uh, you know, minor hockey to junior to college to, to even pro, um, you know, has just been amazing so far. So I'm wishing you all an amazing holiday season, uh, sending you tons of positivity, positivity 
uh, that if you're facing challenges right now, I know you're all going to find ways around them. And let's close out this year, the next few weeks, the next few weeks as hard as we can and lead into the start of 2022 on a good, positive note. So with that being said, today on the show, you know, I have the privilege of being joined by an American League coaching veteran, uh, ex-goaltender, uh, played all the way pro, EIHL championship. Uh, I'm going to get into the bio when we, uh, you know, get into the conversation. But Peter Aubrey with the Chicago Blackhawks organization coming on the show and giving us an inside look into how he views the game, getting to the next level from minor hockey all the way to the highest levels of pro. Uh, he details his goaltending philosophy and how he's pivoted it over the years. And ultimately, additionally, gives us an inside look into some of the great upcoming and current goaltenders in the Chicago Blackhawks organization that uh, he's had the privilege of working with. And I know you guys are going to love to hear about. So appreciate Peter making some time and, and uh, the Blackhawks organization as well for giving Peter the green light to come on. Uh, this one turned out amazing. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. I know you're going to love the chat. Peter and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. I'm super excited to be joined today by another former incredible goaltender turned AHL veteran coach at the next level now. And that gentleman is Peter Aubrey. And after growing up in central Canada and Windsor, Ontario, Peter went on in 1998 to spend four years at Mercyhurst University playing Division I hockey, starting over 90 games with the program before moving on to play pro hockey for almost 10 years, accumulating over 400 pro games uh, from the AHL and minor pro here in North America over to Europe, uh, playing in several of the highest leagues overseas across the continent, notably winning an EIHL championship in the UK Elite Hockey League for the Cardiff Devils in 2006. And since retiring in 2012, Peter went on to coach four years of NCAA D1 hockey, three with Mercyhurst and one with Lake Superior State before moving on to being named the AHL goaltending coach for the Chicago Blackhawks organization. And uh, Peter has had a tremendous amount of success there with the team and has become an AHL coaching veteran, uh, spending the last seven years with the organization now, uh, as well as several stints up working with the NHL team. And in addition, being named the interim assistant coach for the AHL organization right now. And he couldn't be happier to welcome him to the show today to chat some goaltending development. Uh, Peter, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. No, I'm great. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah. Well, right on and, and great to have you. And and uh, I really appreciate you making some time. I know you're in season right now. Uh, obviously, uh, a busy working working with the, the goalies in your schedule. And big shout out to uh, Brian DeCorda for hooking Peter and I up. And, and additionally, big shout out to the Chicago Blackhawks organization for, uh, you know, giving Peter the green light to join me today. Uh, I know everyone's just going to, to love to hear this conversation, give your extensive playing coaching experience at the next level. But Maybe you can just detail, you know, to everyone, some of the major challenges you and your goalies have had to overcome due to COVID this past season and how you guys overcame those challenges so far. And I know things are starting to open up a bit more at this point now. So, yeah, no, I think uh, the time's been challenging for, for everyone. Uh, and with that, I would say the biggest challenges for the guys have, have really been uh, away from the rink and the adjustments to their day-to-day -day lives and, how that has impacted them and their play at the rink. So I guess just getting accustomed to perhaps certain restraints or, or maybe it's good for some people. I, I know, I guess myself and my family, uh, we're all maybe half introverts, half extroverts. So there's been some <laughs> plenty of positives too with, with the yeah. setup. But yeah, for, for the players and team dynamics, there's definitely been uh, changes for them and certain needs that uh, perhaps haven't been met or that, that need to, be met in different ways um, than before, but uh, 
No, I've been really fortunate here during this time. Uh, I guess last season we had a 32-33 game schedule here with Rockford in the American Hockey League. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say, geez, we ended up having five or six goalies play games for us. But really yeah. on the season, we, we carried three and sometimes four goalies uh, simply due to the fact that you never knew if there would be something that comes up COVID-wise and guys who weren't able to participate. So we need to have, I'll say, quote-unquote, extra goalies on hand. Mm-hmm. So that sure. certainly, um, you know, just there's only a couple nets in practice. So workload, uh, work prior to practice, after practice. So adjustments were made that way. And and now this year, it, it probably resembles uh, seasons a, a lot more uh, like previous times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, in Rockford for, uh, we, we've carried three goalies here a lot, probably over the last three, four years. So, but that's something that we were doing this year, uh, as well. Our organization, um, we, we had Malcolm Subban here and he, he just yeah. got a new opportunity with the Buffalo Sabres and that created a little bit of, uh, a spacing, I guess, here in Rockford and one of our other goalies, um, missed some time with an injury uh mm-hmm. arvid soderbloom so it's been a little bit lighter here that way uh yeah. but but just in the numbers uh we've carried more goalies due to covid and we've had to uh accommodate guys accordingly yeah yeah well obviously uh because of testing requirements and uh and the vaccination requirements and all that i know it's it's just uh, smarter for teams to keep a few more guys on hand it's it's funny to hear your uh your i, f- I forgot that uh malcolm was uh, in the AHL with, with you there. I grew up playing with him before he was even a goalie. Uh, and great, great to see him having a, a lot of success at the pro level. I haven't seen him in a while, but wish him and, and obviously wish you and uh, your team and, y- and your organization uh, the best of luck as we sort of roll through the winter here. And hopefully we can get to some level of, uh, you know, at least keep some level of normality here in terms of how the season looks. But, uh, you know, maybe you can just start off briefly by sharing a bit of, of your story, your background, how we got to where we are today. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, yeah, like, like you mentioned earlier, this is my seventh season with the Blackhawks organization. Uh, predominantly spend my time with the American League team here in Rockford. Uh, we, we, have, we have a fantastic setup here uh, with our team, with our, our group one, with goalies and, and two coaching staff. And as you mentioned, uh, I spent four years coaching college hockey, uh, three of which at Mercyhurst, where, where I had played as well, uh, working with Rick Gock in there. And uh, wonderful experience getting right into coaching. Uh, spent a year at Lake Superior State University. Um, Damon Winton, the head coach there, he's done a really nice job. The team went to the tournament last year. Mm-hmm. And we had another assistant there, Rich Mitro, who's now at Shattuck. So I really enjoyed my time working with them. And yeah, prior to coaching, I, I was fortunate. I played nine years of pro, six of which were overseas, which were uh, wonderful for hockey, but it was just a fantastic life experience as well for, sure. for, for me and my, my wife. Uh, our da- daughter, Vienna, was born over in France uh, my last year playing. So we right certainly on. have yeah fond memories from being overseas. And uh, yeah, I played college hockey at Mercyhurst University. And, and prior to that, played a little bit of junior hockey in southwestern Ontario. Um. I, I guess maybe I'm most proud because I, I didn't really play travel hockey growing up. I just played host mm-hmm. league. Yeah. Um, got cut from the, the single A team <laughs> rather regularly. Yeah. Uh, kind of funny now in hindsight, you know, there'd be four goalies <laughs> trying out and, and I'd be the first of the four uh, getting cut. And finally I made the single A team one year as a 14 year old. And then I was cut again the next year as a 15 year old. So yeah. I, I, I'm proud of my path that, uh, 
yeah, I got to play hockey once, twice a week, really <laughs> through my youth and teens. And I guess I um, was able to develop at the right time or the right people see me on certain days to end up at Mercy Erston play. And I, I do think I took advantage of my, my opportunities there. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, going into my junior year, I, I think I had a pretty good transformation in my game. Mm-hmm. I actually worked with Shane Clifford in Pittsburgh. He's done a great oh, job right over on. the years. Yeah, so so back uh, going into my junior year, I, I trained with him, and, and I'd say that was probably a pretty good, I'll say, breakthrough time for, for yeah. me in my career, and then I, I started having a, a little bit more success. Yeah, Shane is a, a friend of the show. We've had him on before. Him and I actually touch base every once in a while. He's a great guy. Nice. Uh, even, even better coach. Uh, but maybe, you know, instead of diving into some of the junior stuff, um, coming from, uh, you know, in minor hockey, that kind of background, I know there's a lot of kids that just reach out to me on, on my Instagram constantly who, who sort of play a double a, they're looking to make that transition to, uh, you know, some of the higher levels or even junior from those. So what's some advice you have for them in terms of making that jump and what they should be looking to do to, to prove to people that they can actually make that jump when it comes. Geez, you know, that, that's a great question. What I would certainly tell guys is to keep enjoying the game, do what they like doing, get the enjoyment of being around their teammates, working on their craft, having fun playing the game, like enjoying those sensations they get from playing. Um, There's no question it is important. Uh, You do need to have a breakthrough at some point, whether that's making a triple A team or a junior team. And you can't just say, oh, just play anywhere and and things will work out. There, There are too many good players now. For sure. Um, I, I do believe it's a false statement. If you're good enough, they'll find you. Mm. Uh, there just aren't enough resources available for teams to do that. So you do need to have a breakthrough for sure. Um, however, that being said, I, I can tell you even from a college coaching perspective, like if you hear someone play double A at 15 years old or 16 years old, like those coaches don't care. They want to know how good you are now and what they project you could be, you know, same on the pro side. Like if you're able to find your way um, to, you know, an AHL camp, NHL camp, and and you're able to hold your own, it doesn't matter really where you played three Mm -hmm. years prior. Um, So if you love playing the game, you get a lot of enjoyment out of it and, and you're playing house league, you're playing single A, whatever level it may be. Uh, keep enjoying that keep enjoying the sensations you're getting from the game and 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 keep improving yeah yeah and then and then maybe talking about you know making that jump from uh some of those levels to junior hockey what was sort of probably the hardest thing for you making that transition initially you know for junior hockey again I kind of inched my way up I played three years of junior c uh, for crying out loud so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, had time. I guess I had time to adjust. And then I played a couple of years of junior B in Sarnia and then Chatham. So nice, nice. I guess I was just so eager to get up to the junior B level. And I was probably thinking a step ahead, like, hey, I wanted to get a college scholarship. Mm-hmm. So I was so right. focused on that and maybe didn't have an awareness of, of some of my other challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say, going to school, going to Mercyhurst as a fresh, freshman, it was very much a challenge to go in and just be another player on the team, mm. you know, coming from junior, you used to being okay. Now you're one of the better guys on your team. You got a college scholarship. You're used to being recruited and a lot of people telling you how good you are. And then you show up at campus and you're just one of, you know, another 28 of, guys uh, on, on the players, roster. Basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like you're, you're on the team now you have three goalies, maybe four in college. Yeah. yeah games are limited. So, so that was the challenge just kind of going from maybe a little bit of a bigger fish 
you know, in the small pond situation yeah. to um, realizing that, wow, there's a lot of other good players at the college mm-hmm. level and they've come from all over. Um, I didn't even think about that. So that, that was certainly an adjustment, uh, whether it was on the ice for, for just getting reps in the net or really even just the ego and feeling comfortable uh, being part on the team and having to reprove yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll obviously go on to, to have a great college career. You played four years and over 90 games uh, with the squad. And you kind of mentioned that, you know, that was sort of a big uh, a transition adjustment you made. So how exactly did you change mentally the way you you prepared or how you acted on the ice or your approach to overcoming those challenges? What was sort of your mindset throughout all that when you realized that, hey, you might have to up your game a little bit and you have to earn your ice a little bit more? Well, I think at that time, uh, so I had played two years of college already. I, I didn't play much my, my freshman year. I, mm-hmm. I split with uh, Ashley Stevens, another Toronto area guy. Mm-hmm. I split with Ashley uh, my sophomore year. And so I guess I got my feet wet and I was a puck stopper and that's all great and fine and dandy. But at that time, um, the technical aspects of goaltending, it was, I don't want to say it was just starting out, but it was still new for guys. It was new yeah. for me. So that was the first time in my life where I actually thought about structure and how I could be more efficient um, in my coverage area and how to um, – yeah, maximize my ability to get to certain areas. Mm-hmm. So I was able to simplify my game, add some structure uh, to go along with the puck stopping element as opposed to, oh, just just stop the puck. You know, there's yeah. a little bit more to it. So th- that was a big thing for me at that time. But then with that, uh, the game slowed down for me. I did simplify my approach. And at that time, that really helped me make a big adjustment. Uh, and, and it did translate into some on a success there my, my last two years of college. Yeah. Well, what do you think is probably maybe the, you think that helped you transition well when you went to pro hockey? Like what were some of the things you learned at Mercyhurst that really, you know, uh, led over into pro in, in your first few seasons? You, you know, a great thing going into pro was I, I did realize that, wow. Okay. I played at Mercyhurst, a smaller school. I believe when I graduated, it had only been division one and then for four years mm-hmm. at that point. So I did recognize that I was getting a pretty good opportunity uh, mm-hmm. coming from the smaller school, knowing that, Hey, I, I was just able to get by um, and the hair of my chinny chin chin to, to get to the division one level. And now I was given an opportunity to attend main camp with the Calgary flames. So mm-hmm. While I certainly took it all in and appreciated that, I just I appreciated the opportunity. So I knew this was going to be my my crack at things, and yeah. you know I spent a little bit of time in St. John in the American League and, and mostly in Johnstown of the ECHL. But I got to play a ton in Johnstown, and it was it was really good for me. So um, while I still had to get used to okay, it's pro, and there are a lot of good players coming from a lot of different areas. It was a little bit easier at that moment than it was going from junior to college right? because I was hopping into a role at the ECHL level where I was just playing a lot. So I was able to yeah. focus on my game, work on, okay, let's get to the NHL. Let's become a better and better goalie. Uh, well, I certainly had deficiencies and, and maybe lack some awareness um, about being a pro. Yeah. It was a very good situation for me to hop in from Mercier's where I was, you know, playing all the time and carried a big role on the team to get into pro and I got to play a lot, uh, particularly in Johnstown there. So I, I felt I was able to take another step with my, my development, uh, that first year of pro hockey. So what, what do you think surprised you the most or, or what was the hardest part about transitioning to pro from, uh, fr- from college? 
Well, I'll tell you what was one of the easiest was that you didn't have classes any longer. So. <laughs> I know, no kidding, eh? <laughs> yeah. So, so that was, um, yeah, you know, that was good. It was just nice to to focus on hockey, and I was, re- I still remember this now. Uh, every morning in Johnstown, driving to the rink for practice, I'd drive by the the bus stop, and the little kids would be out there, yeah, waiting for the school school bus to pick them up. And I remember just thinking to myself, "Geez, if if I were one of those kids, or if someone had told me at that age, hey, you didn't have to go to school today, you get to go to the hockey rink and work yeah, on your right. game, I would have been all about it." So I, I was certainly proud of myself of being able to again appreciate the fact that I was being paid a little bit of money to go work on my game with an opportunity yeah. to to work my way up to the NHL. Um, insofar as um, getting used to pro game, I, I would say just going into a pro locker room with guys who've been pros for five, six, seven years, and mm-hmm. maybe getting to the, used to the way that they had done things before, maybe being accustomed to that guys are pros. They all take care of themselves. And mm-hmm. it's important for me just to take care of myself and maybe not get caught up too much in what other guys are doing or their approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it kind of sounds weird, but like I almost had to think just more of myself and my own preparation and yeah. not get sidetracked if maybe some players had, had just simply different priorities than I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's um, a, a big struggle for, for a lot of guys when they go pro is like uh, really sticking to your identity that that sort of got you there. You know, there's a lot of uh, that's sort of why guys get get paid. You get paid to to be yourself. You get signed to be yourself. That's why teams sign you because you bring something to the table. And uh, sometimes you can kind of lose that a bit when there's a, a lot of transactions going on. A lot of guys doing different things, different priorities. Guys been there longer than you. Um, but for for I guess for kids looking to play pro one day, what do you think is maybe one of the most valuable skills that uh, they should start thinking about or learning today that would be essential to their success and, and transferable to pro hockey one day when they finally get there? Wow. <laughs> so so many different levels. Uh, it's hard for me to go back that long and think, but I, I'm just thinking to our current situation yeah. right now and with, with our players. Um, I, again, they're almost playing, you know, they're playing in the pin of the bell curve that there's so little room right there and it's just squeezed with really good players. Um, So there's so much that's out of their control. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I'm circling back to right now, a conversation with Colin Delia, a a big thing that we're trying to prioritize is recovery. Um, So he can come to the rink and be fresh and focus for those two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever it may be and then be able to decompress, have nice oscillation between, okay, I'm away from the rank, and it's just slowly being able to recharge my energy store. So now when I'm at the rank, I can ramp things up and go. Because um, I do think uh, certainly at this level, um, it's very easy to have distractions, whether it's injuries, whether it's trades, exactly. whether it's depth charts. Um, so to be able to channel our, our energy um, as best as possible, uh, to get the most out of every day in the short term. Uh, so then again, we have that broad base and then now the peak becomes higher. Yeah. Yeah. And then in, in 2005, you know, you decided to transition to the UK elite league overseas. Um, and, and you had a, a lot of success that year. You guys went on to win the championship. We'll dive into that a little bit. What was maybe uh, something you think that contributed so much to, to your success that season with Cardiff? Well, I was really excited to go overseas and play. Uh, it had been something in the yeah. back of my mind that I had wanted to do. So to have the opportunity um, 
was fantastic. I got to play with one of my college teammates, Louis Goulet. Uh, he was probably our best player at Mercyhurst. And then the, to play a year pro with him was great. And yeah, we, we had a pretty good team. And that the, that championship there that we won was an in-season uh, challenge cup. Yeah, right. And a tournament. And it, <laughs> it was just different. Like uh, the final. I know they, they do different stuff there, right? Like they have like uh they have all these tournaments. They have like cross tournaments. You'll play like other countries and stuff as well, right? Sometimes. Yeah. So this one, we uh, in the finals, it was that they had two legs. It was an aggregate score. So here you're playing essentially 160 minutes uh, yeah. total score, and uh, we lost the first game like five one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we're down. There's 60 minutes left. So now the the second game moves to our rank, and. Um, yeah, we got some goals early. Whatever, we tied the game. Anyway, it goes to a shootout here now after 120 yeah. minutes, and we won in the shootout. And uh, at the time, it, it wasn't the the new rink they have in Cardiff, Wales. It was an older one downtown. Yeah, uh, Wales National Ice Rink, I believe it was called, and it was just pumping. Like the people were going nuts, singing before the game, <laughs> after the game. And so it was a, a, an incredible experience. Yeah, uh, we had a player Reggie Stringer. I uh, believe he's from Saskatchewan. He scored the the winning goal in the shootout. So yeah, it was awesome. A, a great, uh, great evening, great time in my career, and um, with, with really good teammates and some wonderful people, wonderful fans there in Cardiff. And I've been fortunate to, um, you know, still be friends with some people there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe diving into a bit. Obviously, there's a lot of kids out there that that uh, you know they want to stand out. They want to win a lot of accolades. They want to win championships. Uh, you know, like I said, personal accolades, stuff like that. You know, what's some advice you have for, for younger goaltenders, help them better reach those goals and, and one day break through and, and become champions as well and, and whatever they're looking to chase? I think building habits. Um, yeah. I, I think, yes, it's on ice parts, but but it is away from the rink. You know, I mentioned, you know, our chat, my chat today with Colin Delia where we were talking about recovery. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't want to be so, oh, get to sleep on time, wake up on time. Yeah. But yeah, like that's a big part of it. Like, what are we eating? And again, we're, we're not robots, but we can make smart decisions. It's not mm-hmm. just, hey, I love playing hockey when I'm at the rink mm-hmm. and the rink is really fun. But then when I'm away from the rink, I make decisions that could adversely affect my performance or I'm such a good player at this level. Anyway, it doesn't matter if I sleep well, it doesn't matter what I eat. Mm -hmm. Um, that sort of stuff. That's tough. That's tough. I I don't know guys, um, at this level who can get away with that. And I'm sure there are some, but, but it'd be few and far between. So, um, it's that overall person, uh, living the right way where I think now that our life is set in order, now we can go excel at the rink. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been fortunate with some, some great goalies that we've had here in Rockford. And um, like recently, so I mentioned Colin Delia. So mm-hmm. he's a great kid. He played at Merrimack. And, and a couple of years back in Rockford, he was nominated. He was our team's man of the year. And that was for work he'd done in mm-hmm. the community. Um, so, you know, living in a good fashion, another goalie that we had here around the similar time, he's up with the Blackhawks right now, Kevin Lankin and Kevin Lankin in a couple years ago, won an award, uh, for the Finnish role model of the year. And he'd helped them win the world championships, but he got the award for, for setting up a book club, uh, to encourage mm-hmm. reading for children. 
Um, you know, another goalie that we had around the same time, Matt Tompkins, he's uh, having a fantastic season in Frölunda, the Swedish Elite League, probably one of the top goalies, if not the top goalie in Europe right now. Um, you know, Matt had a fine uh, college career at Ohio State and really just every year got better and better. But he was a guy he'd come in to Blackhawks main camp. He'd be one of the top guys, if not the top guy for the off-ice conditioning. He's a guy that everyone on the team loved and was friends with. Uh, you know, I remember distinctly a guy on our team coming up to me and asking, Pete, have you ever met a better person than Matt Tompkins? Mm. You know, so so he's guy, he's playing in Sweden, having success. You know, you know, my ten year old daughter, when she found out that he was gonna be leaving and playing overseas, she you know, she shed a, a tear or two because uh. he was gone. So I, I've been fortunate to work with guys at this level who are wonderful human beings. Yeah. Um, you know, and another one that I worked at this little Jeff Glass, he's the developmental goalie coach with, with Anaheim right now. Yeah. Again, like just high end human being. He played for us in Rockford. You know, yeah, we don't have that. letters on goalies or whatnot, but like he was essentially a captain on our team. Yeah. And he's someone who I still think of daily whenever I get a little bit down or whatever, like his attitude was just infectious of what he mm-hmm. brought to others and to himself at the rink. So, so something to tell other guys, I, I would wouldn't make it just about hockey. If if I'm a younger sure. player, um, I would look at how I'm living my life and look at attributes that make you successful in all areas of your life. And I can't help but think that those carry out uh, over into the to the ice rink for your performances. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then before we kind of jump uh, more deeper into uh, your coaching experience, uh, sort of looking back at, at your long college and, and pro career at the next level, uh, obviously it's it's not always ups. There's plenty of downs, but uh, what's the biggest adversity you ever faced during your time playing, and how exactly did you overcome it? <laughs> you know what? That I, I kid you not. That 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 was as a child. That was it. it wasn't easy getting cut. Yeah, from the travel hockey teams, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't easy seeing other kids around the neighborhood. You know who all make the team, and uh, you didn't, and, and you, you feel, yeah. um, I, I guess left out. But at the same time, you feel sure. like, wait a second, I should be on that team. I'm good enough to be on that team. So, so there's there's no question that was the hardest um, part for me. Um, Sure. Yeah. There's times you're playing in the coast and, and you see players get called up and you naturally think, Oh, geez, I could have gotten called up or I could right. do that. And maybe as a pro, I was re- able to recognize like, Hey, like, well, I felt maybe I should have been given more opportunities. I know there were opportunities that I got and there were equally good goalies or better goalies who didn't get those opportunities. So, but it, it was absolutely as a kid, um, not making those teams and being able to, to stick with it. So, um, that was the hardest part. I, I can't help but to thank the support from my mom and dad and their encouragement um, kept me going. And, and something and told me inside told me, you know, like I do love this game and I think I can do something with it. Um, and, and they allowed me to pursue that and, and, and right. go do that as much pain and hurt that it um, maybe had given me at the time. I think they knew uh, how much I also enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, like going through some of that adversity, it's almost uh, even being a coach now, you know, you, you probably like guys that have faced a little bit of that in their career rather than everything go exactly smoothly along the way, knowing that at some point in their transition to pro hockey, whether the NHL, AHL, ECHL, they're going to they're gonna hit some adversity along the way, uh, and, and you want to know that they can kind of handle that, right? 
Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's again, it's, it's so rare that a player would get to the highest levels and have success without having to deal with some sort of right. struggles or, or roadblocks. And some guys have more roadblocks than others, but more hurt. For Not sure. everyone's afforded the same opportunities. Um, but yeah, again, you know, I mentioned Colin, uh, already, you know, here he was, he played game two and three last year for the Blackhawks and, uh, against Tampa and Florida. And then he didn't play till the end of the year when, you know, the team had been eliminated for the season. So he was, he was on the practice squad or the taxi squad with three, four other players all year, not really getting game reps. So like incredibly challenging, you know, yeah, and for sure. yet I see him coming to the rink every day right now. And I don't want to say, Oh, he's just happy to be playing, but he knows, okay, Hey, I want to have a great year now in the yeah. American league so I can get an opportunity, um, back in the NHL. So that that's just one that, you know, so quickly that comes to mind again, because I had a rather lengthy chat with him at the rink today. Um, but, but yeah, all these guys, you know, Malcolm Subban, same thing. Like, you know, he had spent the previous four years in the NHL and then he, he gets sent down to the American league this year. And, yep. you know, he was a little down his first game uh, with us to start the year. He gave up six in Grand Rapids and he, you know, the conversation, like he was just, mentally emotionally exhausted after going through training camp and then being waived and, and having to restart. Right. But then again, you see him with a great attitude and like, it's infectious. People spend a day around Malcolm and they're like, this guy's awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, but like I said, he spent the previous four years in the NHL, still relatively young guy at, uh, I think he's going to be 28 here in, in the next little bit. Um, so, so these guys deal with some real challenges and, and now, you know, Hey, Malcolm worked his tail off here in Rockford. Um, and, and now he got traded to Buffalo and now he's going to get another opportunity in the national hockey league. So, so you see these guys who they have that NHL, um, dream still, or that's their goal. And Hey, they get sent to us in Rockford in the American league, but they're committed to their craft day in and day out. And, and, and again, I'm glad Malcolm uh, is getting a new opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now I, I want to dive into your coaching career uh, a little bit more at the next level, former division one coach for several years. And, and now your longstanding tenure, uh, you know, at the highest levels of hockey in, in North America, but uh, maybe you can just briefly dive into your specific three or four pillars you surround your goaltending and playing philosophy around and uh, why you think they're so important. Well, I guess going into it, uh, I, I certainly have, I'll say, an ideal goalie in my mind, or there are certainly situations or attributes that I really prefer. Um, so there's no question about that. Uh, however, as a coach, I've realized just because I may have a certain preference, that doesn't mean the goalie himself has that preference. Of course. And, and so to have options available, understanding where they're coming from, and, and recognize that it's the sum of the parts. You know, and what guys can do, what they can't do. Um, so it is about them. I, I don't like getting caught up in the, oh, well, if it works for you part, I think that's a little too vague. Right. Um, I do think you need to be able to communicate with goalies and express, hey, this might be helpful in your game. Mm -hmm. If we were to try to add it, um, I do think you have to make a commitment to adding things. I don't think yeah. you can try it out one day in practice and decide, oh, was that a... That was, that's good. We'll keep it or we'll throw it out. Right. Like you need a larger sample size. Um, so, so I guess a staple that I have as a coach is the communication. Uh, it's, it's a partnership. We're working together. The goalies do something and I'm there to help them make it better. Um, in the conversation, again, I've been, I've been with guys who are, 
who are wonderful in dialogue and, and talking about other goalies, whether they're on other teams or in the NHL and just um, other players' processes. And hopefully those things can resonate in the goalies' mind themselves and they come to the rink with those ideas. Um, and, and I guess they're sure there's more buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate this year. I was fortunate. So Jimmy Waite, unfortunately, uh, was in COVID protocol for a little bit. So I got to go up top and uh, it was great to spend some time with uh, Kevin Lankin and again, and then uh, do a little bit of work with Marc-Andre Fleury. And, and the one day was fantastic. We were, we were just watching video, and it was myself and Marc-Andre, and, and Langs had come over, and then we just started talking about, like, different tactics or a different situation and a, a skill, um, you know, where Langs, uh, I guess we called it a twisted overlap a little bit, and then we were talking about Fleury. And it, it was just nice how the conversation went, and, Langs talked about when he had started working on that when we, he was in Rockford. And, you know, and then here's Marc-Andre Fleury, a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's like, well, let's work yeah. on that tomorrow. Right. You know, so you still see guys who are looking to improve their craft and adapt. But that's that's how a lot of how I like things to come about is through the conversation and this partnership or the guys come up with the idea themselves. And we can ask good questions to each other of, of the trade-offs because that, that's what it is. It's not, okay, this is best thing all the time. Like life and goal thing, it's a series of trade-offs and, and where do we want to um, put our risk evaluation, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the communications, uh, I'm, I'm huge on that. I certainly like to think you know, every is a strong word, but I would approach with almost all goalies uh, an eyes and edges approach. Mm. I, I, I think that's something that we can all have in common whether it's our eyes of simply tracking the puck and then also through the eyes of reading the play um, and, and then the edges. Okay. Yeah. We need to be able to get there. Now we're making the right decision on where we need to get. And again, that goes through our eyes and our processing. So those, those are big time staples right there. Whereas maybe when I first started coaching, I was very much about technique and make sure we had, you know, nice butterfly bull pads down mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and, and while while I'm still a big advocate of that, I recognize that's not first in the process. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll break it down a little bit what's happening in front of us for our processes of mm-hmm. what's the most likely threat, what's the most dangerous threat. And then while also understanding behind us, like what is our net coverage here? How big is that net behind us? Is it yeah. six feet by four feet right now? Or is it maybe a little bit smaller? And um yeah, just understanding our, our net space, uh, the, the coverage that, that we have. Yeah. Yeah. I, the kind of the first part that you, you touch on, um, you know, involving communication really sounds like uh, really this conversation around, um, you know, one kind of giving and taking with, with goalies and the identity that they've brought to the table. Obviously, you have guys come in and work with you. Sometimes you work with the same guys for years. Some guys you got uh, brand new draft picks, right? Developmental goalies. Um, you know, how do you sort of identify what works for, for each individual and how do you help them work on and sort of improve their identity that they've already built up to that point? You know, that's, what's great. We, we have a goalie right now in Rockford, Arvid Soderblom, and he's awesome. Um, he is fantastic and he's such a great blend of really understanding his game and himself for what he needs that day. Uh, yet at the same time, he's very eager to have a conversation. What are my thoughts? What am I seeing? Right. And 
open to um, some adjustments. So again, like, so he's come over from Europe. So a couple of things we've talked about, what, one of which was just simply traffic and how to handle certain situations. And this guy, like he can adapt so quickly. Like he's he talked about something once or twice and he's able to implement it in practice yeah, wow. and boom, then you see it in the game. Um, so he's, oh, like I say, he's, he's just a great blend. I, I love it. Um, yeah. Or he, yeah, he has the right amount of confidence where he's not going to stray too far from his foundation, but he's very much open to build on that, the foundation. Um, that he does have, you know, and then another guy uh, like, like Kevin Lankin and he was so driven. And again, every day he's coming to the rink, like to get better and he'll come and he'll ask, he's okay, what's the plan for today? But he also has his plan for today. Right. And so like, there's a conversation there. So, but like, again, I've been fortunate with guys who, Again, yeah, just a wonderful blend of knowing their game. You know, they have years of their own experiences that they've lived through that affects their beliefs and their the way they perform. Um, yet at the same time, they're comfortable to deviate from that. And it can always be a challenge. You're going to pro or they, they, they leave, you know, here Rockford, go up to the NHL. And mm-hmm. now you know what's maybe successful, but now you're up in the NHL and perhaps you just don't have the confidence level mm-hmm. um, that you would maybe in the American League. But um I, again, these players, they, they, I've been fortunate. Again, they understand their games very well. They can express to me in their games. We Earlier in the year, like to go through their games where, where it's certainly them telling me more what they're seeing, and then I can learn to speak their language or through their lenses. Yeah. Um, and I think that facilitates uh, being able to maybe add some new things or, or even maybe take some things away that, that no longer serve them. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then the other thing you mentioned was sort of eyes and edges, uh, tracking the puck, reading the play, and and sort of being able to get there. Um, I think a movement has has become a very non negotiable thing. Of uh, you know, even the bigger guys in the NHL, the game is just so quick, so mobile now. But how do you sort of work on that in terms of uh, tracking the puck and, and articulating that to to your guys and working on reading the play and uh, everything that kind of surrounds this idea of uh, crease management as well. Yeah, like the guys are smart. Like they're hockey players. Like they're not just goalies. They see what's going on out there. What we're fortunate too with like our analytics staff. So like our yeah, games right. are able to understand. Like hey, like this situation here. Like you know, there's only a five percent chance of scoring on this. Where this play over here, you know, there, there's a twenty eight percent chance over yeah. here. So okay, how can we shore up our resources so we can still stop that one shot that only has the five percent chance of going in? Yeah but maybe it better tilts things in our favor for that 28 percenter. Yes. Now maybe we get that under 20, you know? So I, I think our guys, um, they do want to know what's going on in the game. Uh, so that is helpful. Again, we, we have tons of, vi- we're, tons of video with different angles and whatnot. Um, mm. And people thought, Oh, can you teach hockey sense? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know um, I know some people believe you can't, but we're both making the right decision. I guess that's one thing right. too. Like uh, I'll go off on a little tangent, maybe a little pet peeve of mine. Uh, you hear so much over the last few years. Oh, get there on the feet. I want to get there on my feet. I want to react. Well, yeah, sure. I'd love to react on every shot. I'd love to be able to get right. there on my feet every shot, but we don't have that luxury all the time. Of so we like to talk about making the right decision. 
we want to get there on their feet, but sometimes we can't. So we need to make the right decision and we need to slide to get there or else we're going to get fivefold. Right. You know, we want to be able to react to that shot, but that shot might be coming too fast. We don't have enough time. So we need to maximize our body coverage ahead of time to take mm-hmm. up as much space. So I guess that's one thing talking a lot with the guys, like we talk about making the right decision. So when yeah. we watch the video, um, maybe a lot of the initial decision part is, is simply our depth. Was this the right depth for that situation? Were there lateral threats available or not? Um, did the player enter the zone outside the dots, inside the dots? Was he a shooting threat inside the dots or was he under duress and he could only really make a pass? Like, so those are the things that affect our decision-making. And again, we're fortunate at this level with the, with the video and the time that we do have. Um, sure. But yeah, so, so we, we do the video to help with our processing. Um, and the question we ask ourselves, you know, did we make the right decision? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, um, you know, I, I know you've coached plenty of, of guys at the college the division one level, uh, all the way up from the ECHL, even, even to the NHL, but, uh, sort of first starting out at the, the AHL and, and the ECHL for goalies are typically trying to make that jump initially to pro hockey to the highest levels of pro here, uh, North America. Like, where do you typically see them struggle the most when they first get there? Some of the most uh, underlying uh, characteristics that they struggle with? Well, <laughs> uh, you know, again, so Arvid is new this year. Um, you know, geez, this guy really hasn't struggled. I say some t- things that had given him some difficulty earlier were just um, pucks getting the slot a little sooner. So he, he made a quick adjustment, but that was probably similar for Kevin Lankin and coming over me from the bigger sheet or just from Europe to North America, mm-hmm. you know, his first couple of months, he was just surprised how quickly pucks did get to the slot, whether yeah. they're, you know, That's behind the net corners and wall. Yeah. Um, so th- that was for him. Like, I'm not saying like it's for everyone, for sure. um, you know, when deals, he first started out, he had to really work hard on his puck tracking and, even right now, he's uh, he continually does you know uh, vision work uh, to improve his craft. Mm. I'll, I'll go the other way. You know, Matt Tompkins, who I spoke about, who who's doing quite well with, with Frolunda this year. Um, he had a fine career at Ohio State, but then he went to the ECHL and he got off to a great start. So oh, for nice. just being in a different environment in the ECHL, he got hurt after his first two games and, and missed oh. about a month, but. He had done so well in those two games. I actually think that helped him with them being injured for a month because he was continually replaying those two games in his mind and growing more confidence. So even though his stat sheet only two games played, I feel like he had six weeks where he kept playing those two games over and over and building up some good feelings and sensations in his mind. Um, So again, I can't give you like a a one-size-fits-all of what guys struggled with or, or whatnot. Um, but, but yeah, all the guys have to, have to adapt and, uh, make adjustments to their, to their yeah. game. Well, I, I think, you know, when I, when I first went to, uh, you know, to pro hockey, I think, I think what really kind of caught me off guard was something you said is how quickly the pucks move into sort of those high percentage areas, but it's just the amount of scoring chances you have. I feel like the college game is just so structured. And then when you get into pro hockey, it kind of, it breaks out of that structure. Obviously it gets better as you go up to the American league and then you go up to the NHL and, and it's all systems that, but even then the, the, you know, the guys are so good. They're just so good at getting those pucks into the high percentage areas. And uh, you really got to get comfortable with just making big saves all game long. <laughs> about that. 
<laughs> right, right. No, yeah, it um, certainly in the minors there can be a, a lot less predictability. Yeah, um, I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, like you go through teams and like everyone on the team can shoot. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. But now it's not even just about shooting. It's like they make the pass, then the shot, you know, right. and, and the really good teams, they're not just uh, throwing in the outside shot at you. They're like, okay, we have this shot, but we are looking for that better play on the other side of the ice right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the guys in pro hockey at the high levels, they're really good players. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, you, <laughs> yeah. you got to be up to your game and you got to be sharp on, on almost every shot. You realize you can't take a minute off. You know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah. And the goalies have gotten so good too. Like, like yeah, the separation sure. from one guy to another is so small and – yeah, um, for sure. you need to take advantage of the opportunities that, that you do indeed get, but, but yeah. I can't help but think like even, yeah, the American league level, NHL level, like he even say bottom tier guys is it's uh, such an oxymoron, but, yeah, for sure. um, they're so much closer to the top in the middle than yeah. in previous decades. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, up front and on D like some these players, the, the, they're all, they're all quite talented. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you do obviously a lot of scouting, uh, and working with, um, and I know you see a lot of new goalies coming into sort of the organization, but what are a few characteristics that you look for in younger guys, whether they're still in juniors and coming up major juniors, college, whatever it may be, uh, that you typically see in them, like a few characteristics that like, when you see them, you're like, okay, this, this kid's going to be able to transition well to, to the, the top levels of pro hockey one day when he gets there. You know, I guess initially when you just go in and watch a guy, like I'm partial to goalies having really good balance. They can do yeah. things equally well, both sides. And I think it's important. It's not the most important thing, but it's just something that I notice sooner than other attributes. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the things I like, you know, so I, I certainly like guys who are balanced. Uh, when you're observing guys, I really try to watch their head, watch their eyes. Um, to see if they were able to follow the play or, or follow the puck. And it's not always easy to see, but again, if you can recognize that a player is able to see things develop and, and be up to the task for the speed of the play, um, you know, that's good. Sometimes yeah. you'll hear, oh, this guy's always ahead of the play. And it does make you ask, well, what's his environment? Is mm-hmm. the really good structure in front of him that allows him um, to read it easier mm-hmm. or, Maybe another guy, you know, oh, a guy's giving up terrible rebounds. Well, yeah, it was a slot line pass one timer. Like, he was just able to get over and make the save. Like, the way he needs to defend that rebound is being able to move after the fact. Like, he, he was not able to control that, you know, for mm-hmm. really no fault of his own. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I try to watch the the tracking or, or, or their reads. And, and that, that one takes time, you know. That, that one's sure. tough to do. You know, you mentioned the skating, like guys who can move certainly catch your attention. Um, But at the same time, like you see other guys who, yeah, they move fairly well, but not great. But they're a little more still, right? Like a lung. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I was fortunate a couple of years ago when Robin Leonard signed here in the summer, um, got on the ice with him a little bit. And yeah. just so smart, you know? So I don't yeah. think he nor anyone else would be just like, oh, oh, here's a super mobile guy and go watch him. But you see him <laughs> at the NHL level. Wow. How's he able to make yeah, right. some saves, you know, and just so smart in his reads and the, 
I don't even want to say micro adjustments, but but I guess they are just early in plays, putting himself in a good yeah. spot to take up space. Um, and he's got really good eyes. Yeah. You know, sure. so again, it's the, the sum of its parts. Um, you know, deals on your hand, like he's a fantastic skater. Kevin Lankin and that guy can skate. Um, you know, we have Kale Morris who played at Notre Dame, like fantastic yeah. skater himself, too. So um you know, that combination of being able to see the play and then being able to get to that best spot. And we, now we haven't even talked about body distribution to make the save or being able to react, you know, like we haven't even gotten to that phase yet, but, but the two of reading the play and seeing it and then being able to get to those spots, um, those are massive for guys success rate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, moving to the NHL a bit, um, you know, I know you've had a, a number stints up and you've had the opportunity to work with lots of guys that have played, had a, a long, successful careers in the NHL. Uh, but, w- you know, you talk about how minute this sort of difference is now with, with everybody on the bell curve in the AHL and the NHL. You know, w- what are those couple things that really differentiate uh, the guys that get an opportunity to, to play in the National Hockey League and at the same time have an opportunity to stick around and have long careers in the league? Again, man, they're different. Like, yeah. like Malcolm Subban, like everyone loves him. He is such a <laughs> great guy. Like people root for him. They want yeah. him to do well. He's not getting the start tonight, but we want him on the bench, you know? Like, so people <laughs> want him around, yeah, you know? Yeah. So like, and again, we haven't even talked about his explosiveness yet. We haven't talked about his ability to react to play you know like so just there like that's a great attribute for for malcolm um kevin lankinen like he's a pro man like he's coming every day to work on his game you know and he has a plan and because he's so focused and his work rate is so high like He's really consistent day in, day out. Like, uh, wh- whatever, if you're able to stop by a Hawks practice or game, like, whatever you see in him, like, that's how he is Yeah, every day, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like that, you know, I look at Arvid right now. He's special. Like, I, I really, I'm really looking forward to what he can do and what he can accomplish. Like, um Again, he's similar to Langs with that drive and focus, but he just knows his game. Like that's like his biggest attribute. You know, J- Jeff Glass, maybe one of the, the the highlights, if not the highlight of my coaching career, was maybe when he made his NHL debut against the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid, like third shot in the NHL. Connor McDavid coming down the off wing, cut into the middle, like, and but Glasser, so he was thirty two, yeah, and made right. his debut. And like his work rate and practice was through the roof. Yeah. But again, like he's a great guy. Everyone wants him on their team. And now someone else signs him. He gets a new chance, whether, you know, he goes plays in Russia, but there's always someone there ready to sign. And we spent time with the Marlies. They already had their goalies, but Jeff Glass is with the Marlies. You know, like, so like good person, people want him around. So like just able to hang around, be around. And now there's an opportunity. And again, like 32 years old made his NHL debut. Like, and I really do think he was still getting better. Like the month before he got called up, like, I swear he must've been playing like as good as hockey I had ever seen from him at, yeah. at that age, but like his work rate on a day to day. So the the collection of these guys, like whether they're good teammates and people want them around and 
um, they're able to excel in those environments where people want them to excel or their daily work rate or their own drive. Like they all have different attributes, yeah. but that are allowing them to get opportunities at the top level. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, uh, having coached and played for so long now, what do you, what do you think is probably one of the biggest misconceptions amongst the minor hockey goalies, coaches, and parents about uh, getting to the next level or the highest levels in the world, uh, and have a serious career as a goaltender? You know, that's, that, that's a good question. Um, I, I think things are changing. You know, I mentioned earlier, like, oh, if yeah. you're good enough, you'll make it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that, man. Like, there's some good goalies in the American League that aren't yeah. getting looks for yeah, they whatever the reasons. Right. They're in a bad situation. Yeah. Um, I, I know before, at least me, like when we were younger, oh, it's good to play on a bad team. You get lots of work. <laughs> that was back in the day where guys would just come down the wing and rip yeah. pucks. And yeah. you can make saves. Now, like the really good teams, they backdoor you. And there's a lot of yeah, like, quote unquote, right. no chance goals. So mm-hmm. I, I've changed my tune that way. Like, no, like play on a good team. Play on a yeah. good team where you can feel great every day. And for yeah. your mental game, your confidence, your enjoyment of being around the rink, I think that's all good. Now you're right. practicing on a day-to-day. You know, So if you're on the ice three days a week for practice, that's three days against really good players instead of less good players. Right. So right. Um, I don't know if that's advice or not, but I think those are some – things that are different than certainly when I was growing up playing the game, yeah. those sort of maybe how my views have changed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess overall, like what's some advice you have for, for kids aspiring to play in the, the NHL one day and the, the highest levels of pro hockey in North America and, you know, sort of help them get closer to, to that goal over their, over their careers. Obviously it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? No question. No question. And, and again, I, I'm going to sidestep that question a little bit. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it is pertinent. Again, it's about the overall person, the over, overall human being. Yeah. Um, you know, recognize that hockey is not who you are. Being a goalie is not who you are. It, it's something you do. Yeah. Um, work on yourself as a human, whether, again, it's eating well, sleeping well, um, having your own mental stimulation or other activities, just to have that good oscillation between, you know, hockey and something else. Um, that well-roundedness again. So that foundation is really big and wide and, and that allows the peak to be uh, even higher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, this is sort of our, our last question. Uh, what are maybe one or two of your best goalie hacks, either uh, on ice drills or off ice drills or a mental approach or ankle anchor techniques, et cetera. It could sort of be anything that you, you do with your goalies or, or teach your goalies that typically help them find success much quicker on the ice. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. We, I, we want the silver bullets. That's that's what we want here. Yeah, right. I feel like that's a question for guys I've worked with, and I, I can only picture <laughs> them laughing when it, uh, about something, so I don't know. I, I guess one thing that I like, yeah. it, and again, it, the, the mental side of it is the visualization. Ah, I think nice. there, there's plenty of research and documentation of the value of, of mental reps. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's one thing that I certainly encourage mm-hmm. with the goalies. If we've worked on something that day, I, I'm, I'm not scared to remind them, okay, go home tonight and get some mental reps of that. Mm-hmm. You know, replicate those sensations in your mind. Um, and, and as I mentioned with Matt Tompkins when he was in Indy years ago with the injury, like play those games over in your mind. Like I I can't emphasize enough, like those feelings, the sensations through your body and mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I'm not, uh, I haven't done uh, the research papers on it, so I might not be using the the proper lingo, but like, yeah, where you're able to fool your mind or body where it, 
thinks it was a real rep and like right, there is improvement right. being made by doing that. So, so that's an area where I think guys can use alternative ways to improve their craft. Like there, we spend yeah. so much more time away from the rink. Um, for sure. You, you can do 10 reps in your mind. Uh, you can visualize playing a game and making saves and, uh, building that, uh, inner confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Peter, do you have any, uh, last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing? No, I, 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 I do not. I, I hope uh, goalies were able to get something out of that. Goalies, parents, um, non-goalies. But thank you very much for, for having me on the show today. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, obviously a privilege to have you on the chat and, and always love hearing from guys who've uh, both played and coached at the next level. And our audience just loves, uh, you know, hearing right from the source. Obviously, things are changing every every few years. Every decade is a, is a new face of, of goaltending, right? Not just... Uh, visually but physically as well at different challenges you're constantly having to overcome and i know today would just uh you know shed a ton of light on what it truly takes to to make it to the next level so can you just let people know where they can uh, get in touch with you online yeah sure i have a a a twitter account uh geez i believe it's at peter aubrey (laughs) and uh yeah (laughs) the original yeah right right yeah so no uh yeah, that that's that'd be a, a fine way to get a hold of me. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a Facebook page with the messenger there, and uh, yeah, yeah, that they can get a hold of me uh, through that as well. But yeah, Twitter's good. Send me a direct message, and uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions or would like to reach out, uh, yeah, that'd be wonderful. Right on. So so go check out Peter Aubrey with the Chicago Blackhawks organization, and. Uh, all the mentioned links will be available in the show notes for everyone to go uh, connect with him if you'd like. He's experienced tons of success at the next level for over 20 years now and uh, still going strong. I know he's an incredibly bright future ahead of him, but maybe somewhere down the road we'll, we'll have you back on the show, man, if that's something that interests you. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Right on, man. Well, I'm grateful for you coming on, buddy. Good luck as we roll into the, the winter and you guys get through the season here. Uh, take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. Thanks. You too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode, goalies. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come on to the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune back into the show in two weeks and every other Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. As next episode, I have Will Cranley, current Ottawa 67's OHL goaltender, uh, drafted sixth round by the St. Louis Blues coming on the show. And he's a student of friend of the show, Matt Smith. And, and we try to get him on for some time now. Um, as uh, we always loved getting an inside look from a younger generation really coming up, uh, not necessarily guys who are established at the, the junior, or excuse me, the pro level uh, or, or wherever it may be, you know, bringing guys that are, you know, uh, coming up still younger generation. They're facing challenges uh, and talking about the challenges they're currently facing that. Uh, can help a lot of younger goaltenders relate to sort of the current times. And I know you guys are going to love this one. So make sure to tune back next episode. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the Goalie Hacks podcast. And just as a note here, if you enter into this giveaway, even if you don't win, uh, we select four winners a month. And and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, neural tracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month. And even if you don't win uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the future the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, 
If you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you in two weeks.